You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. This week, we have one of the who's who's of the digital asset world. Matt Lyle is the legal director for Galaxy Digital and has well-founded opinions on the regulatory environment for cryptocurrencies. And he's going to share some of those thoughts with you over the next 15 minutes. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a good opportunity to network a little bit in the breakout rooms. Um, this is Diffuse Tap. If you're wondering where you were and were confused by the breakout rooms, and the reason for that is here's the agenda. What's on tap? So first off, first off, we're going to um, talk a little bit about Diffuse Tap and Diffuse, um, and then we're going to, you know, the main event most of you are here for is to hear from our expert speaker, Mr. Lyle, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, but a lot of other people are here for the networking like you just did, but we do two more rounds, round one, round two of breakout rooms, pretty similar to what you just did, four or five people or so, um, give you a chance to just meet, see what everybody's up to, unless Aaron, if you do its thing, and you'll have an opportunity to ask a couple of questions in between the breakout rooms. So what is Diffuse? Why are we doing this? Um, we are an alternative fund incubator. So we find interesting investment strategies, compelling general partners, and we help them incubate their alternative fund, turn their strategy into a fund. Um, that takes all sorts of forms, but if you have a strategy and you're interested in spinning up a fund, let us know. One of those funds we're incubating is Aaron Capital, which is a litigation finance fund specifically focused on um, cases where the plaintiff is government entity. So think West Virginia versus Big Pharma um, for the opioid abuse type thing. And then also we have Diffuse Digital 30, uh, we have a launch event even tomorrow. So we have two events this week, but it is the first, as we know, uh, institutional grade index fund for cryptocurrencies, top 30, everything except for stable coins and map coins. Diffuse taps where you are. So like I talked about the agenda, 45 minutes or so, we just do networking in small rooms, 15 minutes, we have a speaker talk about something, uh, whatever we think the audience will find interesting. And then um, also, we have these diffuse launch events like the one I mentioned just a second ago uh, for new funds that we have coming to market. So today's speaker, and Matt, you might be muted for this section, you might want to unmute yourself, but is Matt Lyle. I'm really bad with introductions. So Matt, do you want to do a uh, quick introduction of yourself for the crew here? Absolutely, Kenny. Thanks for having me. Um, I am Matt Lyle. I'm currently a, uh, an attorney in-house with Galaxy Digital. Previous to Galaxy Digital, I founded, uh, along with three other partners, a very small company called Drawbridge Lending, based in Chicago. All four of us are from the derivatives industry. Um, my specialty was uh, legal, regulatory, compliance in the um, you know future space mostly, but uh, derivatives as well. Uh, we started that company um, in 2018 with the, uh, the aim of providing a lending solution uh, against uh, crypto or in-kind kinds of, of collateral. Uh, we developed a uh, fairly uh, sophisticated product um, that I, at some point I will probably go into a little bit, um, but then eventually we morphed and, and we also uh, became a commodity pool operator and a commodity trading advisor under CFTC rules, and we launched a couple of pools, commodity pools. So I'm sure I will be talking about those as well. Prior to that, uh, my, my experience extends all the way back uh, with a couple of startup exchanges, uh, names that are uh, just uh, names in the past and, and not really anything that, that survived. But uh, 
You may recall, if you're old enough, Urex US, uh, which was Urex's uh, venture into the US uh, market space. And then I also was associated with uh, Nisey Life's uh, um, initiative into, into the futures markets. Uh, before that, um, I held uh, a couple of jobs in the um, uh, in Washington, D.C. The first one was staff attorney at the CFTC. The second one was uh, as general counsel of the National Grain and Feed Association, which as, as we go along uh, may become relevant as well. So that's, that's in a nutshell what I'm doing. Um, I should probably sum up by, by telling you that uh, my little startup company was bought by Galaxy Digital back in November with the primary objective of adding a, um, uh, an arm of the company that had expertise in derivatives, derivatives trading and so forth. One of my partners, Jason Urban, came from DRW, which is a, obviously a significant market maker in the futures and security space. Uh, very, very <coughs> um, uh, experienced in the world of options and options trading, which um, is, is very central to uh, both our pool strategies as well as our loan product. So Kenny, that's my, my background, uh, Ayla, and uh, happy to be here. Uh, I have to say that um, I'm very happy to be here because I have uh, come to know Diffuse through, um, I have a side job as chairman of the Global uh, Digital Asset and Cryptocurrency Association, or what we've referred to as the Global DCA, which is a startup uh, self-regulatory initiative uh, that's based here in Chicago. Um, but we have global aspirations and we've just gotten going. Uh, so that's how I know Diffuse. Um, I have been extremely impressed by um, their, their um, expertise and professionalism, uh, which I think far exceeds their age. And, and so uh, I, I think that that speaks for itself probably to most people here and why a lot of people are here. Uh, I think that they are the future of the industry of shops like them, uh, really out in front, innovative, uh, and what we're looking for, especially in the crypto and digital asset space. So kudos to you both. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to watch and, uh, and watch you do big things. Oh, when I'm done blushing, um, I'll ask the first question. Thanks so much, Matt. Um, uh, you actually mentioned something really interesting, which was uh, in-kind investments um, just in your introduction. And we'd love to touch on that as a first, uh, first topic. Um, how does it work really when, when somebody wants to make an in-kind investment um, into a fund um, or any other investment vehicle? Uh, they're sitting on a bunch of crypto and they're hoping that they can uh, you know, kind of smoothly transition that into another, into another investment. How does that work? And is it even possible? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, it's possible. Um, perhaps there is more of a limited choice than you would find in a typical securities uh, marketplace, but uh, that's, I think, is going to be growing. So you think about it in two respects. You think about it in terms of the rails, you know, the how-to, uh, the actual process, and you also think about it from the regulatory standpoint. <clears throat> so let's take the second one first. For regulatory standpoint, they are allowed um, and they are allowed into certain vehicles. Like I said, we run uh, commodity pools and a lending product. 
Uh, so both of those will accept and are certainly looking for in-kind investments. So the way it works would be that if you're interested in one of our commodity pools, we would provide you with the standard legal documentation that you'd see for any pool, which would include a PPM and a subscription agreement, as well as a uh, limited liability company agreement. The investment would come in. Uh, typically, the rails are an investment is passed from your wallet into uh, where we keep uh, custody of our investment assets, usually with a third-party custodian like Gemini. Uh, we also do uh, fire blocks. In, in the case that, that you're uh, well, well aware of what's going on in the crypto industry or the crypto space, Galaxy just announced in the last month a uh, proposed combination with Bitco. So going forward in Q3, Q4 timeframe, uh, you know, Galaxy will be one with Bitco and we'll probably look to uh, custody all our assets over there. Uh, so that's where, you know, the, the assets are custodied. We then uh, operate or manage our, our fund strategies on top of that. So in, in terms of our fund, we're primarily interested in producing uh, some sort of return based upon the volatility in this asset class. So if you're familiar with the vols in this asset class, they're through the roof. You cannot find volatility this high in any traditional uh, space. The probably the highest traditionally is energy. Uh, you're looking in the tens uh, from a VIX uh, measurement standpoint. You know, you can get into the hundreds with, with crypto when it moves. Uh, so if, for those of, you know, who understand the options world, uh, that's a lot of premium that you can sort of harvest uh, just by having in-kind collateral in there collateralizing your investments. We typically look for uh, investments in the OTC options space. And there's plenty of liquidity out there for that. So that's what you can do from a commodity pool standpoint. But you also have, as you probably are aware, the, the standard closed-end funds like the grayscales and so forth. They will take in-kind uh, investments. Uh, I mentioned uh, loan products. Uh, those are ways to uh, put in-kind assets into a, um, a position where you can realize at least some fiat capacity while you know, keeping your, uh, your assets high and dry. Um, and we can produce uh, structures where interest rates become very close to zero. So those are interesting products as well. So that's kind of in a nutshell. I don't want to suck all the oxygen out of the room here. No, you're doing great. I love it. And, uh, you know, there's a question about what Galaxy Digital does. I think you touched on some of the main, you know, the fund management. So it's not many people that have direct background working at the SEC and now are spinning up funds. So the hot topic, I think, in the space is ETFs. Uh, where where does yes, that stand? Is that happening? What's going on there? Do we are we going to have an ETF in the next? Yeah. Month? Well. Yeah. Uh, good question. Great question. It's on everybody's mind. It's the most important thing in the crypto space right now. Um, and unfortunately, I cannot give you that answer. And the reason I can't give you that answer is because the SEC uh, is, has been um, sitting on this uh, for a very long time. Um, they have, there are probably dozens of applications now from various providers looking to uh, list an ETF. 
uh, but the SEC has not approved any. The reason that they haven't approved any is that they have substantial questions around uh, the pricing that is, uh, you know, informs the ETF values. So, you know, you're looking at a space where there's a lot of questions around the legitimacy of the liquidity in the spot cryptocurrency exchanges. Uh, none of them are regulated under a standard regulatory regime as they should be uh, because no spot commodity is actually regulated. Um, but with respect to the connection between the spot exchanges and the ETFs, the SEC has some issues, especially with the volatility, especially with the AML um, questions that continue to circle around it. And, you know, especially around the, uh, the custody, where these are custodied. Um, so there's a lot of questions that they have. Uh, they're, I believe, taking this slowly, um, probably too slowly. Um, we've had an, um, you know, kind of an abrupt break with the transition in the administration from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. So you're going to see a philosophic uh, change. Um, Gary Gensler is now in the SEC uh, chairman spot. And the SEC, like all the regulators here in the United States, have, you know, very, very heavy uh, burdens in their quote unquote day jobs. Uh, so crypto being an asset class that market cap wise is dwarfed by uh, traditional markets still. Um, even though they, they pay attention to the headlines, uh, it is a very unstable space and there's a, quite a bit of fraud that can go on. Um, they, they, they have to spend most of their resources on traditional asset classes and therefore um, an asset class like crypto uh, or digital assets gets shunted and left aside. So we do have a bandwidth question. But again, you know, we're, we're starting to see some activity on this. Uh, unfortunately, what's coming out is negative. Uh, and I, you know, I, I can't point to any sort of smoking guns, but the, um, the suspicion uh, amongst those who watch the DC uh, shenanigans going on is that uh, the big banks have been in DC since the, um, uh, since the administrative change with the presidency uh, spreading um, you know, falsehoods or half-truths about the instability of the asset class, and therefore, let's take it easy, let's perhaps threaten regulation, let's perhaps look at regulation. So the things you hear out of uh, Congress people's mouths, uh, like Senator Warren, are uh, absolute dismay, you know, like questions as to whether there's a, you know, this is a legitimate asset class, questions about, you know, the envir environmental suitability of this asset class, uh, some real sort of basic questions that are based upon, I think, half-truths and are not fair or objective. I think it points to the fact that there's quite a bit of uh, TradFi, uh, you know, banking that are, are there uh, spreading these, um, you know, half-truths in order to slow things down so that they can catch up. This is uh, not, you know, it's sort of an age-old thing or a dynamic that goes on. Absolutely. And you hit on a few really interesting points and I'm just picking up some good stuff from, uh, from the audience here. One of them was on, uh, on taxes specifically. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll pick a really specific example as well. Uh, DeFi. DeFi is a very new complex environment and really nobody knows to treat that from a tax perspective. What are your thoughts on these uh, emerging new investment vehicles and, and how to manage taxes on that? Yeah, sure. So uh, let's start with just standard question around DeFi. 
uh, DeFi has to meet, or, you know, DeFi is typically a vehicle that's being used to raise money uh, in order to support the development of a network uh, of nodes that will verify transactions on a particular black blockchain. Uh, the blockchain is typically developed for a specific purpose, and we're seeing, you know, the whole 360 degree or, you know, 180 degree spectrum of various enterprises. So the, um, uh, the potential uses of the blockchain are almost infinite. Um, so you've got this wide open greenfield and operators and developers looking for investment and capital into their enterprises. That brings into focus the regulatory questions around whether or not these are uh, the, the things that are being sold, which are tokens, uh, look a lot like securities and whether or not they have to be registered under SEC rules or not. So there is always a threshold question in the United States as to whether United States persons are actually able to invest in one of these enterprises. Um, because the enterprises are so um, uh bespoke or unique from each other, uh, you have to go through a fairly involved legal analysis as to whether it would be okay or not. Um, you know, there are uh, certainly um, some, some black lines that you can depend upon, but no enterprise is, is entirely uh, without question or risk in terms of what the SEC is going to do. Again, this is another thing that the SEC uh, needs to sound off on, and they really haven't uh, gotten their, their arms around this. So from uh, a perspective of DeFi, you know, let's just assume that it can be invested in from the U.S. So if it's invested in, then it's a simple, maybe not a simple matter, but it's a matter of uh, tracking your investments and then reporting um, the, um, you know, the, the, the results of those investments, uh, if, if they're sold from a basis standpoint, the IRS will treat these investments as capital investments. Um, the uh, the, the, uh, the complexities come when you start to, you know, use your assets to um, um, participate in the lending and borrowing markets uh, in order to produce returns uh, on assets that you have while you're holding them. That's certainly allowed, but then you've got some, uh, some more complex, maybe even gray areas in the tax world. Uh, it is still unsettled as to whether a lending out an, uh, a digital asset is considered to be a, uh, a loan, which um, you know, is not taxed versus a sale. And so some of it will depend upon how the loan is characterized. And another thing is that there's still just you know, little guidance from the IRS as to how that is, that is treated. That's great. Really appreciate it. And there are the, the chat is lighting up with questions, um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you are, we are gonna get to the first interactive section of this, which is a breakout room, one second, breakout room. Um, so we're gonna pop out and then we're gonna ask another couple questions after. So quickly, if I can get my slide up, there we go. Quick housekeeping things. It's not a pitch environment, it's a networking. So let's please respect that, be kind. Um, and then we aren't gonna send a full participant list for privacy reasons. So if you if you meet somebody you wanna connect with off, off, offline or outside of this event, swap details then and there. But we also have a very active Telegram group, which has started spontaneously um, 
setting up local meetups. Uh, the first one's this week in Boston, and uh, we have some in Seattle, LA, and Miami coming down. So if, uh, if, you, if you're looking for a local meetup group off the back of this, you can. But Isla, do you want to speak about the breakout room format and topics? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely stick around for this one. Um, we will have four people in each room, four to five. And uh, the next topic for this one is um, the big boys of institutional finance are moving into crypto. Does that make you feel more or less comfortable to get involved? Maybe you'll leave some upset on the table by waiting that long, but uh, are you ready to get involved in crypto now? Or do you rather want to wait until all of the big institutions have assigned themselves to it as well? I'm opening up all rooms now, and I'll see you back in about 10 minutes. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you had some good conversations in your breakout room. As promised, we're going to pick up one of the questions, and we are going to go with DeBasis. I did not pronounce that right. I'm sorry. Um, but for you, uh, Matt, and you're probably muted again, by the way, El Salvador, that was big news. It was last week, the week before. Um, how much of an impact has that? What is the news? And then how much of an impact do you think it's had on kind of the world stage or potentially more specifically the U.S. regulatory field? That's a great question. Um, and first off, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, El Salvador announced that uh, they were going to accept or they have a bill that's being um that's been proposed to accept cryptocurrency as you know legitimate official currency in El Salvador. Was this more just posturing, uh, or was it a, a real thing? Hard to say. I don't have any real on the ground insight into that. Um, I would say it's probably a little of both. Um, again, you go back to what can you buy with with uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, so that's that's the, the the first question that you would have. I mean, is El Salvador saying that uh, you know the the corner bodega is going to be accepting uh, cryptocurrency for you know soft drink uh, purchase? And if so, uh, why would somebody you know use their cryptocurrency to do that? Um, there doesn't seem to be that much incentive to use crypto uh, as as a uh, regular means of payment. That said, you know, cryptocurrency is currently looked at, at least Bitcoin and Ethereum, as a store of value. Why is there a store of value there? It's, it's not just esoteric um, kind of asset that's based upon, you know, some sort of you know, belief, uh, just some sort of a uh, intangible belief in, in the value of it. I think the value extends from the fact that uh, there is a definite uh, use for Bitcoin as a payment mechanism. But what you're going to see is development of apps that will lie on top of Bitcoin and, and especially Ethereum that will facilitate payments. Uh, and that will facilitate payments in, you know, multiple infinite number of tokens. So what you're seeing is the building out of the infrastructure. Now, coming back to the question, El Salvador, what does it mean? I think it means that it's it's much more symbolic, that it recognizes from a government standpoint the legitimacy of it. Yay! You know, all right, great, hooray! Um, but uh, you know, then what's very instructive is that I think it was just the next day the IMF called the El Salvador in. The IMF has um, you know some authority over El Salvador because they've provided um, credit in the past. And they're going to bring them in and sort of, I guess, scold them like a school child. 
and you know basically say you're bringing in this this asset class what are you thinking uh is that going to bring more instability to your you know your economy and so forth i think what it does is it reflects a um, uh, an elitism that you you see consistently from the first world to the third world um, the third world has a different set of circumstances that the first world doesn't understand. Um, the, the third world, one of the biggest um, drivers in their economy is the issue that they have with their local currencies. Cryptocurrency provides a really easy method for them to convert local currencies into a quote-unquote store of value that will hold its value better than the local currency. Think Venezuela with, you know, thousand percent or a million percent uh, runaway inflation. You know, there is as much desire to get your value or your, you know, your assets out of that, you know, currency and into a currency that's more stable. Um, and so what Bitcoin or Ethereum can do is provide that mechanism to do it very easily. And it's also a way around traditional government controls on their currencies. So, you know, for the IMF to, to you, know, you know, point their finger or shake their finger at them, um, you know, it, it just exacerbates uh, how those people feel against the first world. And it, it doesn't help the issue. Uh, I think that it's, it's something that the first world needs to start getting on top of and realizing that there is much more of a benefit from this and less a, um, you know, a concern. That's really fascinating, especially a bit about the IMF. I hadn't heard that side of the story. So that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting. Um, but we're going to do one more breakout room. We should theoretically have time for one more question for um, Matt right afterwards. But Isla, do you want to talk to the next uh, topic? Absolutely. And it kind of links exactly up with this as well. Um, when it comes to regulatory environments, should the government get involved um, or not in, in creating a framework for how we interact with digital assets? Or are they just hampering the progress that is already underway and slowing it down. So I'm going to recreate the rooms in a second. Um, see you all back in about 10 minutes. All right, everybody. Welcome back. I'm going to do things a little bit out of order, but Matt, we are going to get one last question in for you. But briefly, uh, up next, once we're done, once we have Matt, Matt's last question, join us on Telegram. Isla's has and will send a follow-up email with the link on that one. It's pretty active. Um, Next week is Cannabis is Crushing It. We're going to talk about the uh, cannabis and psychedelic space. Always a hot topic from one of the most prolific investors I know. And then Michael Gale uh, rightly pointed out that I said the wrong date because I'm a schmucko. Uh, the Boston meetup is actually June 22nd. It's not this week. So him and Steve Burnham are hosting that. I think we're buying a round of drinks. So you can get at least one drink, uh, one free drink out of the, uh, out of the deal. Um, so one last question for you, Matt. Uh, crypto holders, people that are playing in this space, whether institutional or otherwise, how much need or interest is there in diversification? People are buying crypto for crypto's sake. Feels a little bit self-referential. Um, are people, is there a big strong move towards tokenizing uh, funds, more alternative funds, real estate? What, what type of trends are you seeing? And as a reminder, maybe muted. No, I am not really seeing as much, you know, like a pattern as, uh, you know, people who are moving into this space are developing. Uh, you have to have a, uh, an overall objective or goal for what you're trying to do. Doesn't necessarily put you, you know, cement you into a one one dimensional kind of an offering. But for example, uh, 
But what I've seen are anything from, uh, hey, I'm just developing a token for general use in transactions, or I'm developing a token for use for a system that will provide a certain service like AML KYC. I've seen that. Uh, another is in the real estate space, so it, it provides that. Or I, I've seen a fourth one in the um, the lending sphere. So it's going to be it's going to be a token that will promote lending between borrower and lender. Um, and and so you know those are the kinds of things. This is just a a very very small list of of the infinite ways that you can adapt blockchain to whatever you need. Uh, so, you know, there are two things when you look at tokens. Number one is what is what is the ultimate use? And number two, what's the return on it? Uh, there is return. Uh, you know, if you get involved in tokenization, you can either, A, if you're a technology platform, you can actually participate in the validation, which means staking. You might have heard that term. You stake your tokens in there. And or B, you can lend your tokens to a staker. And, and earn some sort of an interest rate. So there is, uh, you know, returns that are available from these tokens. These developers, the platform developers, are actually looking for, uh, you know, participants, and they are essentially incentivizing participation by trying to create tokens that will provide the highest return. So, you know, some of these investments are, are, are really sort of interesting and lucrative. Great, and really appreciate the feedback. Um, we've already done the wrap up. So I guess all that's left is to thank you, Matt, so much for donating some of your time here and, and sharing some of your thoughts with everybody. Uh, thank you everybody for coming out. We're gonna be ending right at the top of the hour here. Um, Isla, did I forget to touch on anything I was supposed to? No, we're all good. Hope to see many of you guys tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. for a quick 30 minute diffuse launch session. And uh, otherwise, um, we can't wait to have you on Telegram. All right. Sounds good. Everyone have a good, uh, well, hopefully 24 hours. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to Diffuse Tab with Isla Krem and Kenny Estes. If you enjoyed these conversations, join us for the live version every Wednesday-ish at 10 a.m. Central. In addition to the fireside chat, the live event features three rounds of networking in small groups with alternative fund GPs, LPs, and supporters from around the world. Log on to www.diffusefunds.com to register yourself now.